Welcome to Giant Cocktails Happy Hour, a podcast where two amateur mixologists introduce homemade cocktails and discuss what makes each one a giant hit. Now, here are your hosts, Finn and Matthew Henry. cocktail aficionados. I'm Matthew Henry, the trailblazer of tipples, explorer of elixirs, and the seeker of all things sipworthy. Alongside me is the one and only Ben Henry, this week donning the grand title of Admiral of Apertifs. From the classics to the downright zany, we're here to shake, stir, and sometimes even somersault into the world of cocktails. Whether it's traditional concoctions or wild experiments with unconventional ingredients, we've got the flavor adventure you crave. Buckle up, grab a glass, and let's dive into another thrilling episode of Giant Cocktails Happy Hour. Bottoms up, Admiral of Apertifs. How you doing? Admiral? Well, I was a Commodore. Now uh, now I'm an Admiral. Is that a is that a promotion? I don't really know where Commodore falls into the whole thing. Yeah, I feel like an admiral admiral is higher ranking, but I'm not sure. If, uh, I think that's probably true. I think admirals like you know you're not even on a boat, you know, <laughs> or if right. you are on a boat, it's the flagship <laughs> boat, you know. Um, but anyway, I, I like the water theme. It seems that we're sticking to the water theme for the past few episodes. Uh, yeah, I, I like it. I like it. I'm I'm back in my closet to answer your question about how I'm doing. And and that's nice. It's nice to be back into my comfortable confines. You know, the, the anniversary trip is over. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it's back to the grind. And, uh, yeah, that's a little bit of foreshadowing to my cocktail later today. All right. Well, I'm glad you're back uh, in your closet. Uh, for me, I'm getting ready to send the twins off to college next week. Uh, actually, when this podcast airs, I will be moving my daughter into her college dorm. Wow. You have twins? I do. I have twins. I know. I don't, I've never mentioned that before. I feel like show, I should I know. know that. Uh, <laughs> yes, considering you're the uncle. Yeah. So how that relates to the podcast, though, is I think this might be my last day in the closet because uh, I will have two full bedrooms to record my podcast from uh, going forward. So the, the 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 challenge will be to find a way to kind of make it uh, studio worthy before then. But Wow, you're just not giving them any time. Like, what if they go down there and they're like, oh, I'm so homesick, I need to come home. The answer is just a strong no, right? That's true, because we've already paid like a lot of money for them to suffer for at least a semester. <laughs> I think there is like a you can get your money back, but but uh, you know I, I'm not gonna you know I'm not gonna jinx things by by mentioning <laughs> that. Um, right. Wow, I like it. I like it. Aggressive, yeah. Be yeah, aggressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah good. Well, so along those lines, I do have a question for you, as always. Yes. What was your memories of going off to college for the first time? Anything stand out specifically for you? And you and I went to the same school, so we might have similar. Uh, experiences. But well, I'm, I'm I don't. Curious. I don't know. I don't know that my experiences are going to be super similar to yours from the stories I was going to tell. I, I I do know 
that um, there are probably some similarities. So, so you and I both grew up, you know, San Francisco Giants fans in the you know, you know pseudo Bay Area, you know, Santa Cruz. It has a bay. It's a different bay. But, uh, you know, we both grew up there, and we also both went to school in New York City. And so what I remember distinctly was having to box all that stuff up and ship it off. And it was such an ordeal to get all of your stuff sent out there. It's a very different experience than, like, when you drive your kid to college, uh, you know, in the in the station wagon or the minivan or, or whatever, right? It's it's boxing it all up when, when, when the student goes far away. I do remember that, and I remember receiving those, and they were in much worse condition. Than when yes. I sent them off, they were they yes. were beat up, and I was lucky to get it. But I actually went to this program. I got accepted to this early entrance program at at, at our school where we I don't know why we're not mentioning the name at, at Columbia. And uh, well, you know the thing is, is that we didn't part on the best of terms, and I'm not sure they want me to affiliate myself with them. <laughs> hey, but you know what? They got into a little bit of trouble this year, so you know what goes around comes around, huh? Columbia, that's huh? yeah, huh? Yeah, yeah. Anyway. I got into this early uh, entrance like program where you got to meet a bunch of your fellow um, incoming students. And it was like this camping trip that was like four days, five days. And what I remember distinctly is, is that we were cooking in the dark and I accidentally poured hot butter on somebody. Oh, no. so that was one of my early uh, introductions to college life. So, so there you go. And, and I'm betting you did not pour hot butter on somebody when you went to school. I did not. But what I remember most is, uh, you know, as the older one, right, this was the first time that this was happening uh, in our family. And uh, this was pre 9-11. Right. So uh, it was a the Just flight barely. Uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, but my point is, is that our mother drove me to the airport. Got my help me get my suitcase out, uh, she parked, you know, at the at the arrival or the departure, you know, drop off. Got my suitcase out, said goodbye, got in her car, and drove off. And I had never flown by myself before. This was my very first time. She literally could have walked me to the gate, like she could have walked right up to the gate and watched me get on the plane. Mm, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. no, just got in the car and drove off. Yeah. And uh, so that and then so that was like one of my biggest was like, oh, crap. Now what do I do? Right. And so mm-hmm. I you know, went in there and I'm, you know, luckily I was an Ivy League student. So I figured it out. And an adult. But, yeah, exactly. And that so I, I, I did it and it was uh, it was fine. But it was just kind of funny how like, you know, there's all these other families that are dropping their kids off at the gate of their planes. And ma- our mother is just taken off like she had other things to do, I guess. I don't know. Uh, so, um so that was one memory. And then when I got there, I ran track, you know, uh, at Columbia. And so the, actually the head coach picked me up at the airport. And I had these two really huge bags that were stuffed full of all sorts of stuff. And because uh, I don't think we had really realized that I could like we could mail things at that point. Like that was a learning that happened later. So I had like these two huge backpack or suitcases filled with just stuff. And he just says, all right, let's go. And he just turns around and walks and does not pick up either bag. And so I was dragging these two really heavy bags with my 18-year-old pipe cleaner arms through LaGuardia Airport. And uh, and and just by the time, and I didn't want to, like, let him know that I, I needed to slow down or I needed to stop. And so I my arms were burning by the time we got to, you know, the, the car. Um, but uh, so that was, like, my two, like, like going off to college experiences that I wow. remember. Wow. So, Matthew, what that was was a parent teaching you how to fend for yourself. And uh, and a workout, 
So I don't know, like I don't know if you yeah, need, I like, was a, better for it. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. So my 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 advice to you is uh, to young eighteen year old Matthew, um, suck it up, rub well, some dirt in it, Henry. That's right, that's right. And you know, I am. We're going on a road trip on Wednesday to take my kids to school, and I have it in my head to get in the car and be like, all right. Setting the cruise control to a good old 55. Oh, no. And, uh, uh, but they're not going to get the Revenge of the Nerds uh, no, reference, so not. I probably won't. Uh, no, that, no. But, uh, but that's, uh, that's what I was thinking about. Revenge of the Nerds. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, you know what time it is. Is it that time? It is that time. It's time for Tip, Tip of, of the, the day. day. Tip of the day. Tip of the day. How do you put the order of your ingredients into your cocktail? Because mm-hmm. theoretically, there's no real, like, there's no real, like, order that has to go in because it's all getting mixed, right? Uh, in most cases, yes. But if you're a bartender at a bar, oftentimes the the order is least expensive to most expensive. That's right. Uh, because you don't, if you make a mistake, it's a lesser expense of a mistake than if you were to, you know, basically screw up later on and you already have your $50 a bottle, you know, whatever in in the drink. So Correct. But for me, I don't think I do it that way. I actually uh I you know, most in, most recipes that you find online list the spirits first and then all the way down to kind of the garnish at the end. And so I usually just go by order of the uh, of of whatever recipe I'm reading, and and so I, I guess the the tip is is that uh, be aware though of what you are putting in because sometimes you do mismeasure or you misread the thing or and and that can be a you know in the grand scheme of things an expensive uh, mistake if you're spent you're if you're using your your Lagavulin whatever with your hundred dollar bottle and you you know make a mistake later and now you've got to dump it and just start over that could be an expensive uh little mistake so just pay attention to what you're putting in and if you are someone that maybe is prone to mistakes put the spirits in last uh that way all the other stuff can can just be um there if you have a problem you can you can always just dump it i do have a little tidbit to add to this Actually, oh, I I understand the least expensive, the mo- least expensive, most expensive. But you know what? I mean, like we're usually doing this at much small levels. It really doesn't make a, that big of a difference. I feel like if you make a mistake that is not salvageable, taste it anyway. Maybe you made something that you enjoy. This is actually how I do things. I usually try. Sometimes I fail, but I try to put the most viscous items in first especially if I'm shaking the cocktail. And then I put in the alcohol last, right? Uh, the spirit last, because it will help rinse out the measuring vessel that I use. And I don't typically use yeah. a jigger. I like to use the, these little OXO quarter cup measuring cups. Um, mm-hmm. Those are my preferred tool. I mean, this works well with a with a, a jigger as well because the, cause the alcohol and all of the other uh, less viscous ingredients will help rinse out the prior ingredients that you put in the measuring cup. Yeah, that's actually excellent. And that is true because especially the acidity of like your lime or lemon juice will cut through some of that. And sure, by the time you get to the booze, uh, all the sweetness, all the viscous stuff that usually it's a syrup that you're kind of trying to get into the cocktail, then all of that will have been um, 
washed away. And, and then maybe I'm giving away a free tip and maybe we should do this next week. So, so who knows? Maybe Ben will cut this part out or you're getting a bonus tip. But the other thing that I would do is, is that when I am measuring in viscous ingredients, I will combine them into a single measure along with another ingredient in my little OXO cup. Because I can do that because I can measure up to a quarter cup in there, up to like uh, two ounces. And so I can combine the viscous and the non-viscous ingredients in there. So I'll put the non-viscous in first, like the lemon juice, and then I'll put in the syrup on top of that. And now the syrup never has a chance to really adhere to the to the sides of the cup. And I dump that all in at once. And, and that's another way to avoid that problem. And also is the ideal way to order your ingredients when you're just making a cocktail for yourself. And one of the most important things is to limit the cleanup duty and to make sure that you get the most out of all your ingredients. So there you go. That's Ben's tip of the day. That's excellent. Excellent tip of the day. Thank you for adding that because I think that that, uh, that was a great one. I think it's time for me to share today's cocktail. And I am sticking with the summer theme, Ben. Okay, you know, we, we need summer cocktails. We need cocktails that will go down quick and fast on a hot summer day. And today's cocktail fits that bill. Today I am bringing the Paloma to our podcast. I was surprised to learn that we hadn't done the Paloma uh, before uh, when I looked through our notes uh, because it is a very popular cocktail uh, especially nowadays. I think it's kind of uh, one of the the trendy cocktails that you find at bars lately. And uh, the interesting thing about the Paloma is that it is a very simple cocktail that has its roots in Mexico. And in fact, it's actually, I think, referred to as Mexico's national drink. The Not Paloma? the margarita. The Paloma, yeah. And uh, uh, I I could be making that up, but you're not going to check me. So uh, let's just call it. Mexico's Why would I National ever Bank. fact check you? That just sounds like <laughs> that just sounds like extra work. It does exactly. Uh, regardless, though, uh, it is a very simple cocktail to make. It has two ounces of tequila. Both blanco and reposado work fine in this one. A half ounce of lime juice. Building this in, in the glass in a highball glass. Uh, you filled about halfway up with ice, and then you top off with grapefruit soda. Uh, and the two that are kind of the most common are, you know, for us here uh, in the United States, there's um, Squirt, and that works just fine. But in Mexico, there's a a brand called um, that's called Jaritos, and uh, spelled J A R R I T O S, and you can find. Uh, Jaritos, uh, a lot of times in your Mexican section of your grocery store, but also more and more just in the soda section at your local uh, grocery store, which is what most uh, of the drinks of Palomas in Mexico are made with. And so that's what I'm bringing today. And uh, it, again, it's really simple. You're just adding those three ingredients, garnishing it with a lime wheel, give it a little stir to combine, and you drink it, it becomes really, really refreshing. Uh, the one thing I do want to mention is that if you're at a bar, uh, particularly a, a, a higher scale bar, uh, lately, you know, bartenders have been using, you know, the whole fresh ingredients thing. So they will usually do like grapefruit juice, simple syrup and topped with club soda uh, to make this. And uh, it's just not the same. 
And you don't need to be all pretentious with your Palomas, people. This is just a summer drink that you just, you know, you're you're just gulping. And you don't really care that it's made with, like, high fructose corn syrup, although the Jaritos might be actually real sugar now that I think about it. But... But uh, you, you can just enjoy the refreshing uh, taste of the Paloma without worrying about whether it's all from natural stuff or from you know real fruit juice and all that. In fact, I think the cocktails are poorer for it when they add that because this cocktail is just meant to be a simple, refreshing cocktail that you can drink on a hot summer day. And, uh, you know, if you want to get fancy, you can rim the you might want to you rim your glass with either salt or tahine, as we've we've had a few times uh, lately on our show uh, to maybe get a little bit more of a flavor. But you know what? I'm not even doing that today. I'm just I'm just putting it uh, right into a glass and, and gulping it as I go. So that is what I'm bringing today. A very refreshing, uh, which you don't even you don't even taste the alcohol, really. It's just a wonderfully combined with the grapefruit soda and the lime and the and the, the tequila. Oh, I just I'm really enjoying it, and I'm going to drink a couple more of these before the show ends today. So, uh, cheers, Ben. That's what I'm drinking today. Cheers, Matthew. First of all, this I mean this is a this is a another chugger. This is a this is a classic summer drink. I, I like this. This is very much like the the ranch water that you presented. Uh, I think a couple weeks ago. Um, this is another one where you can just throw back and chug it, um, and and that's not a bad thing, right? This is a thirst quencher, uh, and and definitely one that that I I have had many times in the past. I, I prefer I prefer it with el squirt. Um, as with el squirt, el squirt, okay. uh, as 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 it is said in Spanish, uh, in, and if you are in Mexico, it's not just jaritos that you get. You can get this with el squirt when you're okay. in Mexico. Okay. So, uh, yeah, and I think I, I, it's a little bit more difficult. I think it's a little bit more difficult than say finding um, Coca Cola, but now these days you can find Coca Cola and Sprite and Dr Pepper, all all imported from Mexico, where they use cane sugar instead of corn syrup in their sodas. I think you can find a uh, squirt. As well, it, it typically comes in a, a more angular-shaped bottle, um, with a little bit. Let's a little bit beat up around the edges. You know what I'm talking about. If you know what I'm, I'm talking, you know about. what I'm talking. You and you, the listener, knows what I'm talking about. You can find cane sugar el squirt in uh, in the supermarkets, but uh, but yeah, Hurritos is a good call. But I definitely second you on the whole like. Let's not let's let's stop with the squeezing of the grapefruits and the 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 club soda and the and the syrup and and calling that a paloma. I mean, you know, the paloma is supposed to be easy. It's supposed to be quick and it's supposed to be a quencher. I like it, Matthew. I, I think you should keep doing the summer quenchers all year long. Yeah, I think I might. You know, well, with global warming, it might might be just necessary. That's right. Because we have Matthew's summer quenchers, we don't have to fix global warming. That's right. <laughs> How do you feel about the 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 blanco versus reposado? Because I really feel like Matthew, this is a this is a blanco tequila. Yes, and that is definitely my go-to. I, I would stick with blanco, but a reposado is still. I think it, it adds a little bit of depth to it if you're looking for that, but you don't need it. And I just think like if you only have reposado, it'll be fine. Uh, definitely not an añejo type of, uh, of drink, though. So, right, uh, no, stick with no, no. Well, now that we're done talking about my cocktail, what are you drinking today, Ben? 
Ah, well, thank you for asking, Matthew. Uh, today, I am drinking a cold brew old fashioned. I went out, mm. Matthew. I f- I I went to um, a place where they grow coffee beans. Kauai, let's say. I grew and I picked my own beans. I roasted them to a nice medium roast. I then ground them down to the perfect grind. And if I actually knew what I was talking about, I would tell you exactly the size of the grind. I think that's a thing, but I don't really know. And then I put that into a, a um, overnight brewing vessel. We have a cold brew vessel that has this like big, like, you know, funnel, like filter in it. And you just, you fill that up with filtered fresh water and you let it sit on your counter overnight while it brews coldly. And you don't put this in the refrigerator, folks. It's not that cold. Cold just means not hot in this case. Oh, I wondered about that. Yeah. And then you take all of that, and in the next day, you have cold brew coffee. And you take your cold brew coffee, and you add to that, and I'm going to say this in parts, but every time I say part, you can just think ounce. Okay? But this is a very scalable recipe. You take two parts bourbon. You take three quarters of a parts of store-made cold brew, because whatever you just made is probably all wonky and weird. But you can make your own if you want. Then you take one quarter part simple syrup, and you put all of that into a mixing glass. Folks, you can mix this right in your drinking vessel if you want. Like, I'm not going to judge you. But those of you who went out and bought the fancy mixing glass with the fancy spoon and all of that, you know, you you want to make yourself feel like those things were worth buying. So you do it in there. Uh, you mix those all together with a, with a mixing spoon, and then you add two to four dashes of chocolate bitters. And, uh, and then you take all of that. If you did it in the mixing glass, you pour it into... Um, your uh, rocks glass over a large chunk of ice. For those of you who mixed it in your glass, this is when you are add your large chunk of ice. Careful, don't splash. And then you might want to stir that a few more times just to get it a little bit chilled right there in the glass. Then you take a large orange peel, you express that over the glass, and then you just take that orange peel and you chuck it straight into the glass. There's no extra garnish with this, no no cherry, no chocolate-covered candy. I suppose if you wanted to, you could. I didn't. And that is how you make a cold brew old-fashioned, um, which creates a very smooth and very coffee-forward uh, cocktail. It is, um, I would say, com- when compared to your typical old-fashioned, this one is much smoother, right? I, I think it's, it, it, in, a, in a lot of ways, this is what I would consider to be a, a rounder or softer old-fashioned, right? Because a lot of, all of the flavors that you're using in this are, are what I would consider to be round or, or soft, Right. The bourbon, as opposed to, say, a rye, which I would consider to be sharper. 
a cold brew coffee as opposed to something like a more acidic, like a standard brewed uh, iced coffee. Um, maybe something with a darker roast that you brewed in a more traditional manner and then cooled down with ice uh, that could be a little bit more acidic or a brew that when you went out looking for because it was acidic in flavor. Cold brew tends to be smoother and a little bit more rounder um, because it actually has less acidity to it than a standard brew uh, because it's the heat that brings out a lot of the acids in, in when you're brewing coffee. Uh, and then, of course, you add the chocolate bitters to it, which I think is also a rounder, a rounder hue, uh, as opposed to say something like orange bitters or maybe a um, a spice, a kind of a spicy bitters, um, or maybe even a uh, an aromatic bitters like like Peychaud's or Angostura, which I would consider not necessarily sharp flavors, but I think com- when compared to or side by side with the chocolate bitters, end up being a bit much more round. Um, so this creates a very smooth, chill, contemplative drinking experience. Like this really is the kind of cocktail that I would drink while reading a book if I read books. But I, I don't do that anymore um, since I flunked out of Columbia. And you can do the math on that one. Um, yeah, so so there you have it, the, the cold brew old-fashioned. Uh, what I really enjoyed about this cocktail, Matthew, and I'm going to let you chime in on it first, but but what I really enjoyed about this cocktail, and I think the old-fashioned in general, is is the template itself. Because as I alluded to when I was talking about all of the different sharp flavors that you could add to this, you could alter any one of those ingredients and create a cocktail that is very similar, but also different enough to, to add significant variety. And if you made all of those alterations, you would have an entirely different cocktail, um, which, which makes this a really fun cocktail to experiment with while still working with the same set of ingredients. You don't have to go out and buy a thousand different things. You know, All you have to do is change the brew or change from a bourbon to a rye and, and have something very different. <sighs> the cold brew old-fashioned. Well, Ben... I love this cocktail. Old fashions are a favorite of mine. And it's it's funny because I was looking actually just yesterday uh, at the history of our cocktail journey. And in our very first episode, you introduced the old fashioned as your drink on episode number one. And I, I think, did a margarita. No, I did a whiskey smash. I think. Anyway, what was interesting, though, is that over time... You have turned me into an old-fashioned aficionado. And uh, what I love about the old-fashioned is that you can kind of do stuff like this where you're adding a little component, but you're keeping it within that old-fashioned template of spirit, sweetener, and bitters. And in this part, the cold brew uh, just obviously gives it a very different flavor profile, but I think also adds that acidity and that bitterness to it uh, that really what I think what a old fashioned is all about, right? I mean, and finding that balance between that bitterness and the sweetness, uh, and then the spirit. So, wow, I, I'm I'm looking forward to making this myself. So, really good job. I love that. And the coffee. I'm curious, is it really coffee forward? I mean, is that kind of the 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 first flavor that you're you're here you're tasting, or what, what is it that that your first notes that you get when you take a sip? I mean, it really is kind of a marriage between the bourbon and the coffee. 
and I think that's really what I was going for because, you know, I, I found as I was researching this recipe, I mean, that was just kind of the idea that I wanted to do. I wanted to do a cold brew old fashioned. And so, you know, I, I naturally assumed that there were a million recipes already out there. And I found a very basic recipe, which this one is, on a uh, on the um, a distiller's website. It was a it was a I can't remember who it was, but it was a bourbon distiller's website. And sure. they had theirs with more sugar and less of the cold brew. And I felt like that was coming off as being way too sweet. Uh, but also not coffee enough. So I actually upped the coffee so that it would be more prominent in the flavor of this cocktail. And I think if you're naming it that thing, it should taste like that thing, right? Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, if you're calling it a yeah. cold brew or a coffee old-fashioned, then it really should feature that flavor. And so I really wanted to boost it up. Now, obviously, the, this is a bourbon distiller, right? So they're definitely going to make the primary flavor uh, their own bourbon. So that was also another factor. But, um, but I, I I adjusted it until it had the profile that I wanted, and uh, so it really is coffee and bourbon balanced. And I think that's what's really interesting about this because, as I mentioned when I was describing the flavors, I really think of these as complementary flavors, the coffee and the bourbon. But in reality, they're really not, right? They really do balance each other in a lot of different ways. They they have the same kind of darker um, notes, but really when it comes to it, you know, the bourbon has this sweet profile that that a cold brew does not. And by the way, my cold brew is unsweetened. This is there was no sugar added to the cold brew before I, before I made my, my cocktail, uh, because I was going to be controlling the sweetness with my own sugar. Um, so so in that sense, right, the bourbon brings these kind of sweet caramely notes that the coffee doesn't have. The coffee usually has this darker, more moody notes to it, but because they're kind of playing the same, um, they're both in that same sort of mood. Uh, they end up blending together really well, but balancing each other on the palate really well. So um, it really is a blend of the two flavors at this yeah. at this ratio. Well, you talked about adding other types of bitters, but I think the chocolate bitters here go really well because obviously chocolate and coffee is a well-established yes. uh, pairing. Uh, but then you often, I mean, the chocolate and the bourbon also has kind of a similar kind of uh, vibe back and forth because you're you're talking bourbon with their caramel notes and things like that where you're going to get the, that's going to complement the the chocolate so uh, yeah I, I think i would stick with the chocolate bitters myself but uh but interesting you know of course you can you know, yeah i mean all sorts of I, I think even when you add in the orange garnish right this is a party where everybody knows each other <laughs> Right. All of these people, you know, maybe maybe the bourbon and the coffee are the two attendants that don't know each other the best, but but their friends know them so well. And they're so, you know, obviously they're going to get along to use that sort of analogy. It really is a a wonderful kind of complementary set of, of ingredients, but everybody's playing their part and their role. Right. You still have acidity, you still have sweetness, and you have a lot of different notes of character from both the bourbon and the coffee. Uh, yeah, it is It is a really wonderful, and I think, you know, one of a more broody, kind of slower drink, but it's not slow because you're dealing with so much whiskey in your face, right? Yeah. It's just, it's just a contemplative, moody cocktail because of the darker tones to the flavor rather than just being a little bit hard to choke down. That's not happening with this cocktail. 
That's nice. Well, that's what you want out of these kind. Of, you want a balance there that just kind of makes it nice and and just inviting and warm. So good job. Thank you. I appreciate it. And there you have it. The Paloma and the Cold Brew Old Fashioned. Oh, before I go into my pre-written outro, Matthew, yes. your first cocktail on the show back on March 7th of 2021 was a margarita. Okay. See, I felt like that was the answer, but then I remember I did a I You did, did a whiskey, whiskey smash, smash the second week. The week okay. the week after that, when we only we only did weekly shows back then. I did do an old fashioned in episode one because I thought it was a really good starting point, a very foundational cocktail. You Absolutely know? right. Yeah. And then the next week you And I did the only cocktail that I knew. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Um and then the following week you came back with the whiskey smash and I presented the classic the bloody colon. <laughs> you jumped right in there, didn't you? Boy, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah folks um uh, if you want to find out interesting in the bloody colon go back and listen yeah to go back and listen to episode number two from march 14th 2021 it's a baseball forward uh episode it's also our second podcast ever it's rough it's rough it's rough sorry about the sound yeah, sorry about everything sorry about everything Just... but i'm not sorry about the bloody colon enjoy that one uh anyway there you have it the paloma and the cold brew old fashioned if you liked either of these cocktails enough to try them yourselves, or maybe you made something even better, hey, why don't you take a picture of your cocktail? Or maybe just write a really long and eloquent description of it and send it to us on Instagram or Twitter or Threads or Mastodon or just send us a Ben Franklin on Cash App. You know, we love to interact with you all, and it really helps the show. And I like money. Send me the money. Don't send it to Matthew. Uh, you know what else helps the show, Matthew? Leaving a positive review on Apple Podcasts. And also tell your friends, your enemies, random people on the street, um, you know, aliens, uh, the, the, the non-player characters in your dreams. Just tell people. Tell everybody about us. That also helps the show. And on that note, we will see you all next Monday when we will be drinking these very same cocktails while we talk about the ever-confounding and ever-confusing but always enjoyable San Francisco Giants. Until then, Matthew, cheers, my friend. Cheers, Ben. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Giant Cocktails Podcast. Until next time, bottoms up.